Hi, this is Matt Stevens, and this is Coffee Talk. Hello, and welcome again to the official podcast of the Guitar Department at Berklee College of Music. My name's Ian, and we are back with another episode of Coffee Talk for you. This week, we're joined by Grammy-nominated guitarist and newest member of the Berkeley guitar faculty, Matt Stevens. Professor Stevens' guitar playing has been featured on over 70 albums with folks like Esperanza Spaulding, Linda O, Walter Smith III, Christian Scott, Terry Lynn Carrington, to name just a few. Matt has also released two albums as a band leader, and most recently, a solo album of original compositions entitled Pittsburgh. As always, a lot of this content will also be available on YouTube, and we have a ton of other great content on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so give us a like and a subscribe on whatever platform you use. Here's our interview with Matt Stevens. Hi, everyone. I'm Kim Perlack. I'm the chair of the guitar department at Berklee College of Music, and welcome to another Coffee Talk. Um, as usual, we are joined by our assistant chair, Cheryl Bailey. Hey, Cheryl. Hey, everybody. I'm actually drinking water since I had a huge espresso early, so... <laughs> we, were here. we were here early, Cheryl and I, working on some stuff, and, and there's a lot of coffee involved in that, so that's yeah. good. good that you've switched over. Um, <laughs> And as usual, Ian Steed, our senior coordinator for the department, is here. Hey, good morning, Ian. Hey, good morning, all. Good morning. Coffee here. <laughs> and our special guest this morning is our newest faculty member in the guitar department, Matt Stevens. Hey, Matt. Hey, happy to be here. Thanks, guys. Great. Matt, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm, I'm just drinking some uh some coffee some black coffee um and i got in in a zabar's cup zabar's and uh yes and i got some water as well you know so i'm sort of you know double fisting here and um hmm. yeah that's it I, I don't i can't remember what it is just something from the local the local shahs some Ver, vermont something or other it's just fine it's treating me right yeah that was my question like so do you have a coffee routine or do you have specific Pleasure. needs i I'm, you know, I, I kind of, I like it all. I like, depends what I'm in the mood for. High, highbrow, lowbrow, everything in between. Sometimes like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll brave the line at Tate and other times I'll just go right to Dunkin' Donuts. So, you know, it just depends on what I'm in the mood for. But at home, um, just like a French press kind of situation happening here. <laughs> Matt, does your flexibility in this area come from being on the road or were you oh, always flexible? Good question. Um, I think I've always been flexible because I grew up in Toronto drinking Tim Hortons, you know, so, yeah. it's, so there was, there, you could only kind of go up from there. Um, and, uh, I, but of course there's a soft spot, you know, in my heart for Tim Hortons and Tim Hortons, you know, uh, sorts of establishments kind of like Dunkin' Donuts. So, you know, yeah, I think it's probably stems from that. And then of course, yes, being on the road, gas station coffee, anything, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> And being Canadian, maybe. Being Canadian, yeah, exactly. You find that to be true? This, like, you'll r roll with it? Gosh, you know, I wish I would roll with it a little more, you know, given that I'm Canadian. It, it would be, uh, <laughs> you'd, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm rather un-Canadian in that I probably don't roll with it so well. And I also have no interest in hockey. I just never played, don't watch, nothing. So, like, 
I don't know if they'll revoke my citizenship for that, but that's the truth. Well, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the rules are. I found out this summer. I realized. I guess I remembered that mm -hmm. I am a quarter Canadian. Get out of here. I'm a part Canadian. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, so I'm partially Canadian. Partially Canadian, secretly Canadian. Yeah. yeah. So, who's the uh, who's the Canadian person in your family? My grandmother. Okay. My mom's mother is Canadian. You know where she's from? Um, she lived around a, a different places, but she's from French Canada. She's oh, from amazing. Canada. That's so cool. Yeah. And cool. originally, and then and then her family moved, and you know, and then she ended up moving here. When yeah. She was young. So, that's, but that's yeah, good. nice. Maybe it helps us. I don't. Know. Maybe it helps the guitar department. You yeah. never know. You never know. No. <laughs> yeah. That's right. There's, right. a, there's a lot of great um where i'm from there's a lot of great guitar players from from yeah. from from toronto especially you know so it was like it was cool it was a, it was a cool place to grow up you know musically for that reason it was like you know i i got to go see ed bickert you know every month and stuff like that and you know and uh yeah it was really cool yeah so matt you um there's so many things that we're going to talk about because you've spent quite a bit of your career after being a Berkeley student. You've been on the road. You've been a performer, an arranger, a composer, a producer, um, and a, a very high-level educator at a couple different types of schools. Mm -hmm. And um, and so there's a lot of different things we're going to talk about. Um, but I think one of the things that's great for people to, to think about is, is first days, because so many of our students are thinking about getting here. You know, and there's a lot of faculty now that are new that are coming in and you've had multiple first days at Berkeley were a student here and yeah. most recently a teacher and even before that, you know, probably a guest or something. So can you think about your first days and maybe share some impressions like even if you want to talk about being a student and then being a teacher, you know, what are some of the things that stood out to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, as a, as a student, I remember feeling. Um, Coming from where I was coming from, I remember feeling, you know, amongst a group of like-minded peers really, really quickly, you know, um, and um, finding people that I, you know, to have dinner with and to, and to, to, you know, jam with and to hang out with and just to, and to, you know, form a community with really quick. And um, that, you know, that was so important for me, you know, um, right, right out of the gate as important, if not arguably more important than the, than the professors that I had, you know, like just having these people around who um, were interested in what I was interested in and we were pushing each other. And, um, and uh, yeah, I remember on the first day, you know, meeting, um, you know, lots of people who um, I've stayed in touch with and, and, and worked with and been friends with and, and, and you know, um, continued to be friends with and, uh, you know, a real sense of, of kind of, of, of community and mutual striving and, and a shared interest and, uh, you know, and of course a lot of nerves, right? And I remember having to get over the part of, you know, rolling in and, and, and doing your ratings audition right out, right out of the gate, you know? It's like, here's your ID, now get up here and we're going to give you your number. <laughs> it's like, that was really stressful and I remember, um, you know, sort of going through that with friends and, and other people who were entering, you know, that was the, that was the, that was the talk and everybody was sort of supporting each other in that. And, oh man, like, let me play my thing for you. And this is what they asked me. It'll be cool. And, you know, that kind of thing. And so it was, it was nerve wracking, but like really exciting. And um, from, 
the perspective of a, of a new faculty member, you know, really it's, it was sort of similar, you know, <laughs> just older, 20 years later, um, but just feeling, um, you know, excited, but nervous and, 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 and meeting lots of really, you know, fantastic people, new friends and, and reconnecting with older friends, you know, who I hadn't seen in a long time um, and, and feeling, you know, just the, really truthfully, a lot of the same things I was feeling as a student, like, gosh, I hope that, you know, I hope it's okay. I hope I do a good job. And I hope that, you know, I hope that uh, we can, I can find a rapport with these people and, and it's, it's, you know, exciting and nerve wracking. Um, but uh, I, I, I think after the first week of teaching, I felt, you know, really at home, you know, I think in that first week, it's just, it feels so good to just kind of make a connection with all the, especially um, the one-on-one -on -one private lessons that I'm doing, you know, just to make a connection with those people individually and, um, and get a sense of where they're at and what they're interested in and what their goals are and, you know, how I can help them and, and try to, you know, just create a, yeah, a rapport and a, and a dynamic that um, can kind of set the tone for how we can move through the semester. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the people that you reconnected with were students when you were a student. That's right. And I think that's something that we always say to students, you know, one of the reasons why you want to spend a lot of time with your peers, the way you talked about is because they will end up being your colleagues. Yeah. Right. And so on our guitar faculty, one of your classmates near Felder is a new faculty member as well. Right. And then one of your collaborators, uh, Walter Smith, is a chair here yep. of the Woodwind Department. And I guess I have a couple questions about that. Like, how is that for you? And looking back, does it make sense that the people who became your colleagues are your colleagues? And like, the, can, does that make sense, like thinking about how they were as students? And, and I think it would be interesting for people to hear why that is, because I know that when I say that to students, they always look at me kind of funny, like, well, I mean, what, what gives someone that opportunity to kind of have the longevity that you hope for? And so when you think about Nier and Walter and some other folks that are here um, that I'm not thinking of that you went to school with, what, what was it about you guys that, that you think helped you? Interesting. I, yeah, I think that, um, well, yeah, Nier, with Nier, it's funny you mentioned Nier because I, speaking of those ratings auditions, I think we met on the first day and went, went in back to back or something like that. <laughs> I think that that's where we met. And um, and with Walter, you know, um, I met, I, I, I saw Walter playing the, the, the commencement concert or the, con you know, when, um, uh, and I was just, you know, totally knocked me out. He's a couple of years older than I am. And, um, and so, you know, we, we, he was sort of, you know, arm's length for me during our time at school. Cause, cause he was, you know, he was, and still is just so much better than I am. <laughs> so like, and like, and, uh, and, you know, um, but I think that, um, yeah, other people that, you know, that I went to school with, who I still work with and, and play with a ton, you know, um, at Berkeley specifically, like Christian Scott and Esperanza and Kendrick Scott and Mark Kelly and, you know, Milton Fletcher, so many people like um, it. Yeah, it, I think it, it, of course, of course, from an aerial view, it makes it makes sense, you know, like these are all people that um, really um, invested time and energy into one another as students, you know, and were eager to do that thing that you're talking about to jam and to play each other's music and to listen to records together and to do all that stuff. Um, and, 
you know, and as different people get different opportunities, you know, as you all know, being performers yourselves, you know, you want to be, you want to surround yourself with people that you admire musically, but that you're also friends with and that you have a, have a, have a, have a connection with personally. And so, um, it's not surprising in that way. Um, you know, we, we spent so much time together playing and, and even doing some touring in school and stuff like that, that as opportunities came to different people, they would just pull their friends in, you know? And, um, and I think that that's something really important and powerful for students to know, you know, because a lot of the time it can be, you can get caught up in this rat race and it's this mad dash to the top and you're kind of shoving everybody out of your way or something like that to try to get this, that, or the other opportunity or to get hired by this person's band or that person's band. Um, when really um, the people who are going to really give you the most opportunity to, to, to play and explore are, are um, often are your peers, you know, the people that you're investing in. Um, but it's funny you mentioned, is it surreal? Yeah, I, I think in week two or three, I, I, Walter sent me a text and he was like, isn't this just bizarre? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like totally weird, you know? Here we are, because it's like, you know, we're, he's pretty new and I'm, of course I'm brand new, you know? And, and so I haven't, I've been to Berkeley a number of times in, in the last 20, 20 years, but like, but you know, to sort of walk the halls in, in this way is like, wow, it takes me right back to that. It's sort of, I have to remind myself that I'm not 19 anymore, you know? You know, so on that line, some of your colleagues now were your faculty members when you were a student. And That's right. what has that been like so far? That's been totally wild, you know. Um, yeah, and um, and 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 wonderfully bizarre, you know. Like to sort of just walk into the office and see Rick Peckham, who was you know a real mentor to me and really you know was a huge supporter of mine and like just someone that I admire so much. Um, and and you know <laughs> I hadn't seen him in fifteen years, and he goes, oh, "Hey man, how's it going?" You know, it's like it's just like, "Oh hey, Rick, how you doing?" You know, it's like. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just sort of, you know, it, 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 similarly, it's, it's, uh, it's, it makes perfect sense because it's such a small community of people really, you know, um, that you'd be constantly crossing paths and interweaving with one another. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then, you know, at the same time, totally, totally wild and, and, and neat, you know, same with Bruce Bartlett and, you know, again, Tronzo and all kinds of folks, you know, it's just wild to see them sitting and sitting with Dave Fusinski. I remember I was in a lab with him and it was his first semester teaching and, you know, and, 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 and he was reminding me of that when we were sitting and doing the entrance auditions together, you know, it's just like <laughs> totally, totally crazy, you know? So, um, but it's really, it's really reassuring. It's great to know for me, you know, um, I feel, you know, really supported and, and, and I have this great, you know, um, group of, colleagues that are, you know, resources for me and people that I can kind of ask questions and lean on. And, and, you know, so it's, it's, it's lovely in that way too. Were there things that, are there things now, I guess I'm, I'm trying to ask now that you're back in this environment and you're with these faculty who are your colleagues, are things coming back to you that they said that now makes sense in a different way now that you are teaching? Oh my God. Yeah. Especially, especially, you know, especially the way that Rick and Tronzo would just talk so much about, about um, fundamentals and just really understanding, you know, the, the guitar and how, and how 
fundamental elements of music um, work mechanically on the guitar and how to and 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 that didn't feel so rooted in genre or a particular aesthetic, but um, you know more like here are these tools and do with them what you will and kind of feeling um, you know I think that you know with guitar it's like it's it's just so much of a choose your own adventure kind of thing right like unless you come from a background like yours where there's a a heavy and long pedagogy of classical guitar playing but if you don't come from that background it's like it's 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 sort of the 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 the, the beautiful thing and the curse of guitar playing right it's like it's like there's this immediacy to it which is incredible and you can just get to something so quickly um but there's all this sort of patchwork that you need to do or that i needed to do after the fact you know to make sense of things um and i remember that being sort of stressed to me and and not really knowing where to start with that you know and then fast forward 15 years and it's, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm just stealing their stuff, right? It's like so much about the, the it's so much of what I want to impart to the students that I have, you know, because it's, it's served me so well, you know. Cheryl, I'm going to throw it to you for a minute. What's on your mind so far? Wow. Well, well, I did have that experience too, because I was a student here and then I came back to teach and that was, I remember that first day coming up the, um, escalator at the Amtrak station, just tripping out. But you know, I was thinking about, um, I had a conversation with a student the other day about, um, it It relates to this and that, you know, what they were asking me about my experience in being in the Thelonious Monk competition and all of this and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, what did you think about it? And my thought about it was like, I was just, trying to do my thing the best that I could do. And and it would and in that way it was not different from anything else that I do. Like you're always just going into but maybe from the outside. So I saw from this young person's point of view, they were seeing it from this outside perspective of I don't know, kind of like everything glittery or something or you know some magical thing but you're really just thinking about fundamentals like here's my sound here's the tune i gotta count it off i gotta do these things and so you know it really made me think about it and i was really just saying like you know you're always whatever situation you're going into so whether you're doing those ensemble auditions or you're out there playing for in a festival or any of these things they're they're not different in that way that you're just going from doing your best and dealing with the guitar in the moment and the sound and you're not really thinking of it from some other oh you know i mean maybe you're aware right this, this is great for my career hey this is a great you know for my resume but you're not going you're not there for that you're in that moment of the music and so you've had so many of these experiences you know on stages like that or or working with people that you admired and then you got a chance to play with them so i don't know just what are your thoughts on that and and to relay that to to students in a way to think about yeah it always comes down to that moment and what you're bringing to the moment and that's really what counts absolutely i think yes i i i can relate and like you know i i sometimes i have students ask me so how, how do you, you know, how do you kind of reconcile your approach or, or your approach or how do you sort of, how do you go from, you know, this playing with such and such to such and such, or how do you go from, you know, playing 
something swinging to, you know, right now I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not a bluegrass player, but I'm producing this Doc Watson record for a centennial, you know, next year. And like, um, you know, so how do you, you know, how do you weave from one thing to the next? You know, how do you go from playing whatever? Um, so I, I mean, just, you know, so yeah, some something swinging to right now I've been working on that tune windy and warm, which we're going to record with, you know, with Nels Klein as a duo for this, this record. And it's totally not my, you know, and, and, and I think that it's, it's easy to get caught up in this idea that you have to, you know, put a different hat on or fundamentally change what you're doing to, to function in these different situations when, when really, as you're saying, it's, it's quite the opposite, right? Like you're just showing up with what you hold high in terms of your musical priorities and i think you nailed it because for me it's the same thing it's it's my it's my feel and my sound you know those are like that's like the calling card for 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 all of us musicians i think you know and 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 trying to make something happen and listening to the people that you're playing with and um and uh playing with dynamics and and being musical and all those sorts of things and all and and if those are your priorities um you know they of course serve you well regardless of the situation that you're that you're in and and it doesn't really take much if any recalibrating as you move from thing to thing you know um so speaking of fundamentals like it, that's it, that's that that's so much the, the 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 ticket you know it's always it's always I, I think it's great to to never miss a chance to to point a student or ourselves to to all the ways in which things are similar you know um as opposed to different and of course there is is nuance and vocabulary and then language and different musical dialects but um but fundamentally you know we're all we're, all those things are pulling on some of the um the same uh, musical resources that we that we spend so much time thinking about and, and doing our best to to perfect I'm glad you mentioned Matt your work as a producer and because also you've done some really cool projects with production and arranging. And um, we have students all the time coming in and often wanting to somehow separate those things from each other. You know, I'm going to be a writer or I'm going to go major in a writing major or production major so playing is not really my thing and we're trying to from an older person's perspective um, talk about the way those things influence one another. Oh, and I know that's true for you. I know that your playing absolutely influences the way you listen when you produce and the way that you arrange. Um, and I'm and I'm also interested in how it influences your playing the other way. You know, like what yeah. does doing those jobs reinforce to you about what you practice and what you want to sound like and that kind of thing, or maybe just how you listen. Can you talk about that relationship, how how one thing influences the other? Yeah. And you could be specific. You can talk about specific projects yeah. if you want to. Sure. Well, so so for me, like a like a like a musical hero of mine is is um, speaking of Canadians, is Daniel Lanois. And um, he's someone who I who I just admire um, greatly as a guitarist and as a as a writer and as a you know musical conceptualist and, and as a record producer. And to me, um, you know, it's it's what's so interesting about him is is um, there's there's little to no delineation between any of those things that we're talking about the writing, the playing, the producing. It's all it's just he's incredibly successful at just creating a musical world, you know, that that is of his own construction. Um, that uh, that 
you know, people can tap, you know, in various ways. And I think that, um, that's, that's such a powerful thing and, and, um, and such an attractive thing, I think, like as, as, um, as far as music that I want to listen to, but also music that, um, you know, also music that I, uh, uh, want to sort of create. And, and what I sort of have come to realize that like over time for myself is that it's really attractive in terms of how, if people want to collaborate with you, if you're kind of coming to it and, and if you're sort of putting out in, into the world, like this whole conception of how you think of music and, and, and your playing is reflected in the way that you produce a record and the way that you write songs and all that kind of stuff. If all those things are reflected in one another, you're really painting a very clear picture as to where you're coming from. And those are often the artists that I want to work with and that I, you know, aspire to be, you know, beyond just being, uh, um, yeah, drawing lines in the sand. And, 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 and as far as how those things, you know, relate to one another, I would love to answer that question. I also forgot, I just want to plug my uh, computer right here. Give me one second. I just got my, <laughs> Sorry. That's great. Um, you know, Ian, as he's holding that thought, I'm wondering what's on your mind because I saw your eyes light up when he was talking about the, the record, the new record he's producing. And um, I think it's, it's really interesting to think that you know, a record like that could be produced and, and involve people from multi-stylistic backgrounds. And as a person who loves that style of music, what's your perspective on that? Yeah, I mean, Doc, he's my man. <laughs> Doc Watson, which, Matt, I don't know if you're able to tell us a little bit more about that, but I am psyched to hear more about that. I guess to answer your question, Kim, is like, um, I mean, like, I love Doc Watson, and I've, you know, um, picked apart his breaks and the way he approaches, like, tunes, but I also feel like it, it's not, in a way, um, entirely, should I say, like, musically honest to play exactly like Doc. Like, I'm not, I'm not from a holler in, you know, uh, Eastern North Carolina, in like the turn of the 20th century, like I, I ain't gonna play those notes the same way he's doing it. And so I have to bring a different background to uh, what I'm doing, both from like my own family sort of musical background, which is like an Irish traditional music, but also like a lot of the jazz education that I did. It's just like to approach this stuff from like an honest perspective and to like, I guess, break it down like a lot into the fundamentals and see like from a practical perspective, like what's going on? What are the things that I like about it? What do I want to keep? And what are the things that I need to bring to it to be sort of musically honest? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I also just want to hear more about this record you're making. <laughs> you know to tie it together that's a very producer way of listening isn't it you know yeah. um, because you're you're serving the project as it is and also trying to serve the authenticities of the components and the and the and the spirit of it and so um in some ways maybe matt you could approach answering the original question yeah um this way yeah so i yeah i mean i think that well, speaking about just playing and producing, influencing one another, I think that, you know, um, I think the more you're able to um, sort of step outside of yourself, um, what you know, when you're when you're playing, it sounds a bit strange, and and, and um, you know, 
of course we want to be sort of grounded and concentrated in what we're doing when we're doing it but the more you can kind of hold these two things to be you know at the, at the same time and play and also kind of imagine yourself on the other side and 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 um try to listen to yourself as though um you know you are someone that you're playing with or or, or an audience member um it, it's it's powerful and it, it can really for me it can really influence um the choices you make in terms of like how much do you exaggerate your dynamics like how much space are you leaving how much are you listen to the people that you're playing with you know and um and i think it really just to to tie into what ian's saying it really it really is just in the spirit of like putting the you know putting the putting the the overall sound of the music and um ahead of you know what it is that you're doing as an individual um you know of course there's like nothing radical about that idea right but it's something that is like hard to hard to remember sometimes when you're in the heat of the moment playing you know um and it can sort of slow things down in a matrixy kind of way you know where you just um uh you can kind of see things unfolding and 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 react to um you can train yourself to kind of react to what you think that the music needs you know um uh to to be successful beyond just um what what is this little thing that i'm doing and is it cool or not and am i am i just doing a good job or not you know um and 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 Ian, i think that like you're you're absolutely right and i think that that goes for not just doc but really any you know insert name any you know insert the name of any famous you know like um or you know just incredibly important musician like that certainly in the in the in the jazz world you know um you just you, you have to find your own way into it and bring your and bring your own experience to it and bring what you with what um what you can um and you have to but you have to learn to value those things about yourself as well right and feel like you have the agency to um make artistic decisions within within those situations you know and i think that that's something that um is really I, I wish I felt that more as a student, you know, I wish I knew that more as a student. I wish I'd gave, given myself more permission early on to have artistic agency, you know, and to feel like um, I could do something that was of value, even if it wasn't in direct relation to something else that was already being celebrated or, you know, um, that there were these inherent things about me that, 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 that were all of us, you know, that were, that were cool and, um, uh, worthy of being explored and, and, um, yeah, and taking a piece, a doc piece, whatever it is, and, 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 and inserting yourself into it. And yeah, that's very much like that. This, this record is very much like in, in, in the spirit of that, you know, so there's, there's like, um, it's mostly solos and duos. And, and, um, so yeah, Bill Frizzell, Valerie June, Aoife O'Donovan, uh, Nels, Corey Henry, um, uh, Corey Harris, uh, also, uh, who else? Oh, uh, uh, Dolly Parton just did, did a track. <laughs> she just did, uh, her and Michael Daves just did The Last Thing on My Mind, which was really cool. Uh, recorded Steve. Heck yeah. <laughs> Dolly and Michael Daves together. Yeah, yeah. Dolly and Michael Daves. Oh man, I can't wait to hear that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Steve Earle recorded Make Me a Palette last week which was really cool so yeah it's all it's all really fun so it's it's great to hear all these people's different you know different approaches and and, and uh and and to, to kind of like um celebrate the scope of doc's influence and and uh and uh yeah it's really it's been fun what a great lesson of everything you're talking about 
because as you were naming those names, you know, I've loved Bill Frizzell's playing forever and anybody who knows me knows that. And I've really loved Corey Harris. I went through a period where I listened to a ton of his stuff. So it made me so happy to hear that name and, yeah. you know, and Dolly Parton and all these great people and, you know, and you and Nels Klein and everyone is such a unique, beautiful artist. And, um, that's a real lesson in what you're talking about that you all came together to honor this figure in our history and you're all bringing yourselves to it in an honest way because you love the music and you love this story you know the story of this person and and, and his influence on all of us yeah. i think that is such a hard thing to learn when you're young to take it back to students and you know um there's a thing i stole from david tronzo um in a podcast that i did for a guitar magazine where he says like you have to learn how to be your own favorite guitar player right your favorite guitar player should be you mm -hmm. not as an ego statement but because like if you're the person getting up in the morning to do this that can help you balance what you're saying about honoring your art and then the responsibility that it takes when it comes to getting up and doing the work that's required to do that because then you can lead with your curiosity you can say what is this piece you know, by Doc Watson or whoever it is, what does it need from me? Yes. And then you have to work on all those things. And the only person responsible to that is you. And so you have to just find a way to honor yourself yeah. and hear what you're doing great. And then also be honest with yourself about what you need to work on and who you might need to seek out for help. And, you know, that agency that you're talking about, it's such a great word to, to talk about this concept with, because that's what that's what all those great players that you named, including yourself, that's what they all have in common. That's what you all have in common, um, is that you have enough agency to that you can honor the music and its tradition and bring yourself to it. Um, I think that is a hard thing. Did you find that a challenging thing in some ways um, totally. to cultivate in your life? And how do you work on that? Because I think it's a process, right? You know, there's absolutely. way you could fall into insecurity, you could fall into complacency. Like, how do you keep yourself honest? Yeah. Um, gosh. It is hard. It's really hard, right? Um, I think it's, and I think anybody being honest would, would, would agree with that. In terms of like, how do you, how do you keep yourself honest? I think that like, you know, for me, it's much the same as, finding my way into practicing or finding my way into writing and um, and and that that encompasses having lots of ways lots of different kind of points of entry into that thing you know so 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 if one thing you know if, if one thing isn't working if I can't go in the front door today maybe I'm going to go in the side door you know I'll try that and then if I can't go in the side door maybe I'll go in the window you know but just having different ways to get into the headspace that you need to do to practice guitar or to work on a song um, or um, uh, in terms of just what we're talking about, like in agency and, and, you know, I really, we're talking about confidence, right? Like, and, 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 um, in, in, a, in a way, and I think that like, you know, first of all, accepting that you're just not going to feel confident every day, you know, that's, 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 that's something that I just think is really real. You're going to have days where you feel really capable and, and, and like you got something to say and other times, you know, you know the days are going to be there that you just feel like you can't do anything you know and uh and and i think knowing um as you get older you know or at least as i've gotten well my experience has been that you know those 
you know, you know that those days will pass and those other ones that you prefer to have, you know, kind of come back. Um, but um, I think that what you're talking about with curiosity and, and, and um, like cultivating a love of, of the process and um, like the, the, the striving part of it, you know, can just be um, incredibly powerful to creating confidence because when I feel the least confident is when I know that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing my due diligence. Right. So generally speaking, like when I'm, when I'm, if I'm doing the work that I know I need to do, you know, um, in terms of just upkeep, learning, learning stuff, doing the, doing the things I said I was going to do, you know, putting the time in on the instrument and putting the time in writing, all that stuff. Um, the outcome is almost doesn't matter. Just the fact that I'm, I'm doing it and it's a daily practice makes me, gives me that confidence and that agency that I, you know, sort of need and that we all need to some extent to, to put our best foot forward and make the best music that we can, you know? So I think just the engaging in the process and the curiosity and, and, and doing it every day is, is just, uh, is, is, you know, for me, the most powerful thing and maybe one of the only things that we can do, you know? Cheryl, I know that all kinds of nuts and bolts things about practicing have been on your mind lately and they're always on your mind um as our like resident practicer cheryl's always practicing here in the <laughs> and the wee hours and the late hours when the sun goes down or it hasn't come up yet gotta get it in this is happening in the office so um do you have some things to add cheryl or some questions for matt about that that's the nuts and bolts of that process and how it works for both of you yeah well i love I've always loved practicing and I'm always fascinated how people practice what they practice, particularly a player like yourself. Um, and it's always over the years, it's become one of my main topics to deal with with students because they, they don't know how to practice. And when they figure out that they, you know, can learn how to practice, it's a big game changer for them in terms of reaching their goals or keeping the goalpost will keep going, right? So yeah, I'd love to know, first of all, do you have any principles for how you organize your practice time? And, um, and if you have any advice for students and all of us, I'm always, I'm always asking, what do you practice and what do you practice, what do you do, you know, right? So, so yeah, what are, what are your thoughts about that? Like, how do you organize your time or, or do you go free form? I mean, obviously you have a lot of things going on, so I bet you probably have a pretty clear way you're gonna break up your day. Yeah, I, well, so two things that come to mind are, I, I think it's always great to have something, uh, like some kind of like repertoire piece, for lack of a better word, that, that, that you're kind of working on at any moment. And that could be something that, you know, somebody else wrote or that you, or that you wrote, you know, um, that is like, ideally for, for me, something that's a solo guitar thing. Um, and the reason being, well, what I've gotten out of that um, is so much, uh, it, 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 is it, it, it provides, I think it provides us with a, a, like an opportunity to focus on things that um, we don't always get as much opportunity to focus on or think to focus on as much like pacing and phrasing and dynamics and touch and all that sort of stuff um, that when we are also thinking about the notes that we're going to play and navigating harmony and all these kinds of things um, can sort of, you know, 
maybe fall by the wayside a little bit or or not have as much attention paid to them. And so um, I, I always like to have something that is challenging, you know, and it's often stuff that I write, you know, just something um, challenging for solo guitar where I can try to really communicate, um, work, work on, you know, work on getting better at communicating like a whole story arc in a piece all by myself and, and, and all the musical elements that go into doing that, you know, like I just said, you know, like pacing and like phrasing and like timbre and all these kinds of things that, that contribute so, um, that really make something like, like that kind of come off or not, you know? So something like that is always uh, part of my routine. I always got some, some piece like that going on. And then uh, I think that there's a lot, um, so if you're learning, if you're working on a standard tune or, or, or a song for a gig or whatever, and it's somebody else's that, you know, chances are at some point you're going to encounter something that is hard in that thing, right? Like whether it's just one chord change or a particular passage or like a particular meter change or something. And so, um, what I, um, like to encourage people to do just because I've gotten so much mileage out of it myself is like when those things come up, noticing them and isolating them and getting really, really granular with um, addressing that particular thing, right? So like, you know, for instance, it's, you know, if we're, say you're playing a tune and, and, and there's like uh, stable mates or something like that, right? Or, or you know, or, or conception or something like that. And you're like, man, I really got to work on conception. And there's all these, you know, there's all these descending dominant chords, right? And really for me, like, that's the hard part of that tune, right? Not the other stuff, is, it's all hard, but I got it, you know? And so you, I think the, the thing that we would mostly find ourselves doing is being just practicing the whole song again and again and again and again, doing chorus after chorus after chorus, rather than just being like, I just need to take, I need to just extricate that little piece of that thing and I need to practice that. And then I need to practice that thing in different keys and at different tempos. And I need to practice that with, you know, what are all the different ways that I can play on these dominant chords? Like, you know, noticing those things that are giving you a hard time, plucking them, isolating them, and kind of following them through their logical next steps in terms of, you know, uh, ways that you could practice them and what you could do with them. So, and of course you can find that in any music. So as you kind of go about your routine, uh, learning the music you need to learn, there's always an opportunity to kind of pinpoint those things, make a note of them and go back and get really granular and address them later. You know, that made me think of something kind of silly. When I was a student at Berkeley and my friend, we had another friend who was such a great player. And I had that question, I said, what does he practice? <laughs> and so my friend went and spied on him. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> and set, went outside his practice room and listened. And then she came back to me. And she said, I can't figure it out. It seems random, weird things. And so we were like, well, okay, well, let's just go ask him instead of spying on him. And we said, you know, what are you practicing? He said, what I can't do. So that's why it sounded random and weird, right? He was he was pulling out those strange things or intervals or shapes or rhythms that he couldn't play. Because he said, why, why would you spend all your time in there doing what you do well. You already do that, that's natural. You that's have to right. work on the stuff that's unnatural to you. That's right. <laughs> Part of that is, is fessing up to what those things are, you know? Because, you know, your teachers aren't always gonna point that stuff out to you, you know? And, and subconsciously, I think we can all 
relate you know when you're when you're a student and you're younger and you're you know you're vulnerable and you want to make a good impression you spend time trying to hide those things from the from your from your mentors a lot of the time right and so some of that stuff can go unnoticed and so ultimately it's on you to uh to know what those things are and and you know go okay let's do it i got it i know what i gotta do um yeah it's that's um i, I that's something that comes up with students sometimes where it's like um a lot of the time, you know, 90% of what we all tell a student they need to work on, they already know that they already know what we're good, you know, they, 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 they might need help um, strategizing ways to work on it, you know, etc, etc. But I've, I've found often that you're not telling somebody something that they don't know, you know, that they don't recognize as a, as a, as, as a, as a weak point for them or something like that, you know, so. Well, I think that's true, unless they haven't built awareness yet. Right, right. You know, and I think there's this thing that happens sometimes when when people are practicing what they consider vocabulary, you know, mm -hmm. like um, we had some midterm checkups of the proficiency materials, right? So scales and things. And I said to a student who was playing for me, I, I said, do you know that when you pick all down strokes, everything sounds beautiful and, and consistent and round and the same note shape and the same dynamic level. But when you alternate pick, all that consistency goes out the window. Do you know that your left hand does different things when your right hand is picking up? Right. And, and he was like, wait, what? And then, you know, of course you could hear it, right? And then, but he had never listened to it. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it's easy to zone out or you're listening to the metronome or you don't, you kind of, oh, I know the pattern. So now I'm just going to improvise. And so you're not really listening or, or, you know, you put the TV on and you kind of watch a marathon or something and you just yes. zone through them. Yeah. And I think it's that kind of awareness too. That's part of everything you're talking about with practicing. It's like, you're responsible for how you sound and then you can ask questions. And that's something you could bring to your lesson. You could bring the questions. Yeah. You're, you're right on the money though with, with, yeah, with the with the awareness thing, I agree with that entirely. Yeah, like yeah. It's so much about, um, yeah, and and you know, I think that that's that's the great thing about. Um, I, I always encourage, well, you know, um, if if they can stand the the you know the, they can stomach it, students to just record themselves all the time, right? <laughs> because it's the most immediate thing, you know. It's like. And I understand wanting to shy away from it. I totally get it because it's hard. It's emotional. And it's like, and you know, you might not be in the mood to hear yourself, you know, like I get it. Um, but if you can, you know, detach, uh, if you can try to sort of have an objective or subject, I was, I always confuse those things. If you, if you can kind of have a, if you can have a healthy, um, you know, relationship to listening back with, with, you know, the intention of, of improving, um, you know, and knowing that, it, 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 how much it'll help, um, it's an incredibly powerful tool, you know, and, and I think that that's like, um, often, yeah, I've, I've had that experience a number of times where I go, I was, you know, where you'll be working on something and I'll go, okay, let's just record you doing this. And then you tell me what you're hearing. And then, you know, they go, I'm hearing this, this, and this, and this. And, and I say, yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna say, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and then that there's a piece there too about discomfort is something that you can work with mm -hmm. and sometimes it's just showing you that something has to be worked on right 
you know, that idea, Cheryl, that you said of I practice the things that I can't do, you have to be comfortable with the idea that that makes you uncomfortable and then you're going to go and fix it. Um, I had another student and I was talking to him about register, like, oh, you're writing, we were writing something. And I said, well, what about the really high register? You know, what do you want to put up there? And he goes, oh, I don't use that. I don't, I don't play up there. And I said, well, I just saw you. I heard you play up there 10 minutes ago, 10 minutes ago when we were doing something, you were up there. And what he meant was I'm not comfortable with how familiar I am up there. Right. You know, I don't really know where I am up there. And that's different. And I, I thought, well, you know, you're too young to discount a whole part of your instrument because it makes you uncomfortable. Like a better approach might be, well, you know, I'd like to play these things up here and then I can't do it right now in a way that makes me feel comfortable. So how would I have to work on that? Yeah. And I think people run sometimes too soon. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. I agree with that. And um, this feeds into a question you always ask, so I'm going to turn it back over to you. All right. So there's a question we ask everybody on this podcast at some point, which is, um, what's something that the students, like a question that they should be asking that they might not think to ask? Um, okay. So I think that the... As a student, I think the best thing that you can do for yourself um, and ask a teacher through various questions, you know, through a number of different questions is really feel confident that you know how to get better on your own after school is over, you know, um, because there's so much information being given to you um, in such a short amount of time. There's no way anyone can digest it all, let alone put in the necessary time to, to, to have an understanding and an ability to apply all that kind of forget it, you know? Um, and so to me, the most powerful tool you can have leaving school is an ability to organize and prioritize that material and, and, and have a, um, a deep and thorough understanding of, of, of what those materials are so that you can start doing the real heavy lifting um, of improvement once you have some more time on your hands when you're right out of school, you know? Um, so I think that um, those are questions I would, I, would, I would encourage students to ask, you know, whatever they need to ask to be certain that they have, 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 a, have a deep and coherent um, understanding of the of the of the concept or the, of the the you know the practice idea what it is and so, and an ability to file it away and come back to it later you know Cheryl what's on your mind as we're kind of coming to the end of our coffee yeah well thanks for joining us and uh, getting a chance to talk about these things that are universal really you know talking about fundamentals and just how you know your openness to all the styles. I mean, you're doing all these different genres, but you see that thing that, you know, unifies them all in the fundamentals, which is really important. And I, and I, again, I always love talking about practicing. So thanks for sharing your thoughts about that. It's always good. Okay. I'm always stealing from the best. <laughs> cool. Ian, what about you? Yeah, super pumped to hear your your doc record. <laughs> I'm gonna be uh, 
keep my eye out for that. Cool. I'll get you. I'll, I'll, I'll get you a vinyl, man. <laughs> I'll bring it back. <laughs> Matt, it's such a great for, we're great fortune that we have you on the faculty. Oh my gosh. Um, Thanks for having me. I'm, it's, it's, you know, the pleasure is mine here. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I should say that Matt is full-time in the ensemble department, which is a whole another fun discussion yeah. that we can have about the, you know, the balance between uh, solo and ensemble playing at a different date. We'll have to have you back for a special topic. Um, but we get to have Matt on our guitar faculty one day a week and we are, um, we're really honored to have you. Um, we've been hoping for a while. To, to get you, so you out here. So thank you for being with us. Um, do you have any um, sure. final final thoughts to share with the folks listening? Oh, gosh. <laughs> any final piece of advice? Uh, I mean, we're on midterm, so maybe a midterm oh. advice. You know what? Here's, here's, um, I think it's, and I'm, and I'm paraphrasing this, this is something that, that I heard once that, that resonated with me, which is that I think it's powerful for everybody to know that beautiful music and beautiful things come from nothing. And that, you know, it's easy to go around in the world and sort of thinking, you know, you know, beautiful stuff comes from Mozart and from, you know, from Joni Mitchell and Picasso, and I'm not those people. And so nothing can come from me of any real value. But I think that if people knew that, um, yeah, that, that, that beautiful things can come from steaming piles of nothing then uh uh that's 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 you know that's a spark and 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 important knowledge as as uh as we all go out into the world and create the, the art that we want to make yeah i think i'd like to add to that that it's you know, hanging out with you and working with you is another reminder to me of of how important it is you know no matter how good you are as a player and or a teacher or how high you've risen so much of what happens professionally in the in the world of guitar and music happens because you're willing to work with other people mm -hmm. and you're willing to um kind of okay let's put our heads together and do something mm -hmm. and i say that because you and i got to meet i'd heard about you for years but we got to meet <clears throat> right before the pandemic at a festival um at your former institution which was peabody institute down in baltimore and we were tasked with like creating a fun day of workshops and a concert that we split. And it was David Tronzo who I was playing with and you were playing with your trio. And we had to figure out, you know, how to work together and how to do these workshops with the students. And, you know, it was loose. And so that put a lot on us. Mm -hmm. And um, it was really fun. I mean, that's what really struck me is that we were able to sort of meet and say, okay, 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 like, here's what we're gonna do. Yeah. And we had a really good day. It was a long day. It was really long day it was like literally all day and there was no room to rest in so we were just moving from thing to thing like all day long That's and right. into the night yeah and then and then still wasn't over That's right. we were like in that cool hotel hang you know afterwards so it was probably like 16 hours or something and like you know yeah. something like that i think yeah. it really was and i think that people forget that part mm -hmm. you know that you you have to be willing to work on things and bring who you are to the table and so there there is confidence and there is expertise and then there's also the ability of maybe working with people you you didn't realize you would have to work with yeah. um and i remember that the the leader of the festival is like well you're all nice and you have something in common so you figure it out you do saturday and we we're like oh, okay 
exactly. Right? And um, I think that's good for people to know. That's certainly one of the reasons you ended up back here so soon. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, and probably why you're doing so many cool things. So if you haven't, I want to say to everyone listening, if you haven't heard Matt Stevens, there are a whole ton of projects. And I think your website, Matt, catalogs everything. So people could just go right there and see everything he's producing and writing and recording. And, and you've heard him maybe before you knew it. So go check it out. And um, thank you, Matt. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Kim. And thank you, Cheryl. And thank you, Ian. Thank you all. And um, everybody else, we'll, we'll be back with you on the next Coffee Talk. Thank mm-hmm.